Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. to get involved, He's, doesn't he? I'm telling you, too many coconuts have hit him right on top of the skull. Well, I think uh, Anthony will be a great acquisition. He can do it all. Avery, whose show is this? Welcome everybody here to the Lakers Lounge Podcast. I'm Anthony Irwin, uh, today joined by somebody who uh, I met for the first time in Vegas over the summer. Somebody who whose work I have always admired, especially because he gets to do the thing I've always wanted to do, where like you get to write about all your city's sports. That is so effing cool to me. Um, he is John Krasinski of The Athletic legitimately one of the one of the nicest people i've ever met in this industry somebody whose work again i've really admired john thank you very much for hopping on hey thanks a lot for having me anthony it's been too long uh this is a long time coming i've always enjoyed your work as well so i'm excited to chop it up with you today yeah just just a heads up from here on out i'm gonna be texting you and, and bugging <laughs> you about the vikings just so, hey, <laughs> just that's just all some right. crap. i'll be ready for you for sure so there's always a lot to get into with them <laughs> Uh, today on the show, we are going to be talking about, uh, the wolves who are, I don't know if I would call them a surprise this season. I think they're like, they're, they're, they're better than some people expected, but you kind of started to see them put the pieces together at the end of last year. People tend to forget that McDaniels wasn't available in last year's playoff run. And like, turns out he's kind of important. Um, so we're going to talk about them uh, as the Lakers are getting ready to play them after uh, they play the Chicago Bulls tonight. Um, and then, you know, the Lakers are uh, in their second experience of uh, dealing with D'Angelo Russell and, and, and employing D'Angelo Russell. And um, now you're starting to see some of the trade stuff kind of creep into this thing again. So I just want to ask uh, John about the D'Angelo Russell experience as well. So, uh, we'll start with the Wolves, though, because obviously they were, you know, made fun of quite a bit for the Rudy Gobert trade. Uh, it was an insane you know, draft pick haul and young talent haul that the, the Utah Jazz were able to get for him. But, you know, as it turns out, I, I think one thing that especially like trade Twitter seems to overlook is the human and cultural impact that players can make. And I'm not going to go so far as to like fully credit Rudy Gobert with, you know, changing the entire cultural dynamic. Anthony Edwards, you know, bursting onto the scene has had a big impact on that as well. But, you know, what, from, from your perspective, watching them go from, Holy cow, I can't believe they may have made the worst trade ever to Holy cow. It's (laughs) look at this team. Uh, What's, what's that been like? Yeah, I mean, it's been a huge pendulum swing for sure. I would say that 
even as I was watching things last season, even early in the year, I knew right away that, okay, this is going to take a lot more time than I think anybody anticipated. And so I was never in the camp of this is the worst trade ever, but there were certainly real concerns about, Hey, is Rudy Gobert getting old? Um, You know, does this really fit the two bigs, like all of these things. And so there was definitely on my part, skepticism on other parts, you know, for in other corners, people were jumping out of buildings, like literally, I mean, not literally, but like, just (laughs) like, this is the worst thing that the wolves could have ever done. They've, they've ruined Anthony Edwards future. Um, all of this for an over the hill center who doesn't play much offense and, um, and is really struggling. But I think one thing that a lot of people missed in the evaluation and analysis of the Rudy Gobert deal was that they, the wolves certainly made it to try and win as much right now as they could, but ultimately one of the main goals of the deal was to get a player in here who they felt raised the floor of the team so that Mm -hmm. Anthony Edwards was always playing in meaningful games. And he did. And for all of the ups and downs of last season, Rudy Gobert was a big reason why they made it to the playoffs at all. When Carl Anthony Towns misses 52 games, uh, it was Rudy Gobert's kind of steadiness that, that did help a lot. In, the, in getting them to the play-in and then to the to the playoffs. And one of the big problems that this organization has had forever is, you know, Kevin Love lost a ton of games when he was a young up-and-coming star. Uh, Al Jefferson, Ricky Rubio, Andrew Wiggins, Carl Anthony Towns, like anyone who that was supposed to be the next guy in Minnesota suffered so much losing that mm-hmm. um, it really tainted things and it and it hurt their development. Well, to have Rudy Gobert here to your point, like it really does establish a baseline expectation that they're going to be in the playoff hunt every year that he's here. And now this year they've just taken an enormous step to where it's not just play in playoffs. It's, Hey, let's go deeper into the, the playoffs if we can. And that is so important for Anthony Edwards as a young player to be in games that matter and playing these meaningful games. And it's so it's helped his development to a huge degree. So um, in that respect, it, the, the trade has already been a success, you know, and, and it can, they can build on that if they, if they're able to win rounds, win series and, and go deeper into the playoffs. I love that point about, you know, getting guys reps, not just in terms of the minutes that they play, but important reps, meaningful reps. And, um, that's a that's a uh, subject that uh, one of my other co-hosts, Raj, will bring up a lot is once losing and the acceptance of losing creeps into the organization, it is impossible to get that out. Right. It's like skunk on clothing. It's you just got to throw those clothes away, you know, and um, the the idea of like the the. Uh, the process Sixers are like the nth degree example of this or what you're seeing go on currently in Detroit and maybe even a little bit in San Antonio as well, where the guys that they are hoping to build with moving forward, they're going to have some scars and some really bad habits that they have to break before they make any actual progress. And, you know, with Anthony Edwards, you don't have to spend any time breaking bad habits before you can build a player back up again. 
And uh, that's that's a really cool point that, again, you know, and, and was it an overpay? Yeah, I would probably say so, you know, for yeah. for for just, you know, just in terms of the actual player and the project production and stuff. There are still some, I think, postseason questions offensively with Gobert that he's always going to have to answer. But the nice thing about the the offensive questions is you have Carl Anthony Towns, who's one of the most offensively talented bigs that that we've seen in a little bit. Uh, you have Anthony Edwards, who appears to be like face of the league good. Um, you have, I, I think, a super underrated uh, pickup was Mike Conley and how steadying he can be as well. And and like all of those things go so far in, and again, you you uh, describe it as setting the, the the baseline and setting the floor of what is is expected. But culturally speaking, it is so it, it's it's so important that everybody knows, all right, this is what, this is how we are going to do things. It's why the, the Miami heat employed Udonis Haslam for like 45 years <laughs> yeah. is because he was such a big part of that, that culture. And Pat Riley understands the value of that culture. It's something that the Lakers had to rebuild after, um, you know, Jeannie took over from Jim uh, bus. So yeah, I, I really love that point. And, and, you know, watching that, you know, cause you've, you've been, you've, I would imagine, I don't know how long you've actually covered. It's my Minnesota 20th sport. season, 20th season doing it. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> we're, get, we're getting old, man. Like yes. I, I just said the other day, like, you know, you've been doing this for a decade, right? I'm like, don't remind me. Yeah, it's stupid. Um, but, but, you know, you've, you've watched all of that, the, those cultural shortcomings for a long time. Um, how different is it from, from, from what you've experienced prior? Yeah, it's night and day. Um, when you look at it, this is an organization that is used to having a revolving door at general manager, a revolving door at head coach, players coming in and out of here and leaving um, at in the blink of an eye. There's been no sustainability, no foundation really for most of the time that I've covered the team. And so when they establish Tim Connolly and Chris Finch, and um, and now they have a group of players that have actually been together for more than one season. That is unique in Timberwolves lore. And so, yeah. I mean, that's a big thing. And And you know, Anthony, with how the league is covered and examined, the Timberwolves being in Minnesota fight this stigma all of the time about cold weather, no one wants to come here, all of those things. And... So another important part of they've made the playoffs two years in a row now, and now they appear to be taking a step and being more competitive is like, had they missed the playoffs last year, had they not made the Rudy Gobert trade and then missed the playoffs, which I believe if they did not make that Rudy trade, they would not have made the playoffs. Now, all of a sudden there's going to be so much talk nationally about, can they build a, an organization around Anthony Edwards? Why would he want to stay here long-term and all of that? And so They've really done a good job of putting a culture in place with good leadership um, that makes it feel like they can make this a spot where players don't want to flee, where where they, yeah. you know, where it's actually um, an attractive place to play. Target Center is really fun right now. Um, it's the fans are really into it. And and the sustainability and the continuity has just been something that they have never had. And now that they're starting to get it a little bit it really does change the vibe around this place, you know, immeasurably. 
Yeah, it's it's as you were talking, I was looking, I literally Googled Anthony Edwards Lakers jerseys because usually you would find a whole bunch oh, of course. Lakers jersey swaps, you know? Yeah, future Laker and future Laker. Yeah. Exactly. But you know what's funny? Anthony Edwards just comes out, I think, the other day and said, I love Minnesota. I love being here, all of that stuff. Um, there are maybe three results of an Anthony Edwards jersey. So it's like not even a conversation. And I right. think that in and of itself is a bit of a win. <laughs> like that's a, that's a pretty big win. You know, I, I, I Lakers fans are, are, I think the thirstiest fan base in, in the, in, in professional sports maybe. And, and the fact that, you know, you're looking at one of the most talented young players in the NBA and, and, and we're kind of collectively like, I guess he likes it there, you know, like that's, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's, 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 a, that's a pretty big um, W you mentioned Tim Connolly. And this was the reason that I, I look, I, I get my jokes off or whatever, but I did kind of always think, let's give this a little bit of time because Connolly is the architect to the current Denver Nuggets, right? Mm -hmm. Like most of the work that was done there was on his watch. And Gobert specifically at that position, you look at the guys that Connolly has either drafted or developed, right? Yusuf Nurkic first. And then obviously that Jokic guy is pretty good. So he has like, a, I think a pretty good eye for talent at the center position. I think he also recognizes if you are going to compete with the nuggets, you have some, you have to have somebody who is physical enough to stand up to Jokic in, in the paint. Um, I, I kind of understood where they were going there. You also mentioned Chris Finch who for years, plural was always the guy that you talk to people around the league and they were like, and, and you would ask like, who is the, the, the head coach who just needs an opportunity. And like 85% of the people who I would talk to before Finch got that opportunity would say, Chris Finch, he's a, an offensive guru. Um, that has worked out really well. You've done really good jobs as, as you, as we've talked about in terms of personnel and, and finding not just young talent, but the, the veterans to make it work. And now you arrive here at this place and, and, you know, I'm also a Vikings fan. Um, I know that it is a, a kind of core identity where Minnesota fans are always kind of looking like around the corner, like, all right, when, if things yeah. are good, you're always kind of like, all right, when's, when's the kick in the nuts coming? Um, are, is the city like welcoming this, this, this group with open arms? Are they, are they willing to, you know, open themselves to the pain if, if that's what it comes to? Uh, well, I would say this, they are absolutely, the bandwagon is filling up. Um, mm -hmm. This has been a, an organization that has struggled to retain fans um, over the years because they've been so inept and so dysfunctional, yeah. but really with the addition of Anthony Edwards, and you'll know this Anthony, like, he, I liken it to when Randy Moss arrived with the Vikings. The Vikings were kind of a stale organization before he got yeah. there and really turned Metrodome into a, a WWE event. Yeah, it was huge. So, yeah. and Ant, Ant has done the same thing um, for fans here. But then now that they have started to sustain some success and show some competence, um, and now that they're at the top of the Western Conference, uh, everyone's euphoric here. They're incredibly happy. They are, they have been waiting for years and years for a team like this to root for, but there absolutely is that psychosis within yeah. the, the Minnesota sports fan that is just like, you know, bracing for <laughs> like when, wincing, what's yeah. happening, <laughs> what's going to happen to short circuit yeah. this, because that's been their life for, 
you know, since 1991, when the Twins World won the World Series, no men's professional sports team has won a championship um, here. Not football, not hockey, not baseball, not basketball. And so, yeah. um, so th- they have been conditioned to expect the worst. And so everyone is very much on board, and and the arena is rocking, and and fans are getting real chesty as Rosillo says on Twitter and stuff. We're like starting to talk some trash with other fan bases and things like that. It's fun to watch, but they also know that they cannot fully, um, you know, just go all the way in because uh, until one team, whether it's the Wolves or someone else breaks through and actually wins, uh, there's always going to be that in the back of their mind, wondering when the gut punch is coming. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Yeah, the, the the chessiness and the trash talking. I have a few fan, a few uh, friends who are also Vikings fans, and they are now starting to text me about the the, the wolves. You know, yeah. like hey, you know, yeah. who are these guys. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and I and- love I love Minnesota. Like it's like a special brand of trash talk because it's so polite. <laughs> right. Like, it's, it's it's so because everyone so knows nice. everyone knows that. They have been the butt of jokes across the league forever um, for a long, long time. And so they know that they can't speak with any sort of authority like a Laker fan, like a Celtics fan, like a, you know, a Heat fan that's won a lot. They they haven't done it. They, you you know, the the classics, you know, uh, saying of act like you've been there before. The Wolves fans have not been there before at all. So so there is a little bit of humility there, but there's also like an edge because they've been kicked They've been looked down upon all by Laker fans, by everyone is, oh, you're just the Timberwolves. No one cares about the Timberwolves. You know, why are you all taking this seriously? But now that they're rising up a little bit, now you can see little brother is 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 big enough to swing on big brother. And, uh, and, and I think that's happening a little bit. Well, that's a perfect segue, I think, to the matchup that is coming up this week uh, as the Lakers get ready to play against little brother, I guess, here. Um, really quickly, before we get to that, it was an interesting thing that we saw over the weekend where I found myself surprised at how I felt about the uh, the Oilers Titans jersey uniform situation. Yeah. Um, I, I again, I have a few friends, whether it's on Twitter or or or, or you know neighbors and stuff who uh, are are from Minnesota. And um, I think we have a mutual friend or a mutual follow in Patrick Fenlon. Yeah. Who um who was like adamant about how lame it was that the Lakers won wore the Minneapolis Lakers uniforms mm-hmm. in Minnesota when they played there. And at that point, I was just kind of like, uh, you know, okay. I get why it would be something that 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 fans would be upset about, you know, literally taking a team away, you know, having a team leave is something that like always sticks with people. We we joked before. I accidentally spelt your name J-O-H-N. My dad's name is John. He is like one of the most nice and decent people I have ever known. And the amount of bile that he had for Georgia Fontarier 
uh, because she took the Rams away from Los Angeles. Like, again, it's, it's something that I'll never, ever forget. It stood out to me as a child, like watching my dad spit venom and in, in, in her direction was crazy to me. I'd never seen that side of him before. So like that, that identity of a, of a city having lost a team, I think is something that I think very few people will ever really be able to understand or, or, or sympathize or empathize with even we suck at empathy anyway, mm-hmm. but, but, um, in watching what went down with the Oilers and the Titans, to me, what I think the difference is that the Titans changed their name, changed their entire branding, and then going back and wearing that again is kind of like, why? You know, mm-hmm. the Lakers kept the Lakers name um, and and kept some of that identity, kept the titles. And and um, I, like, how did you how did you experience that having been on the other side of this? Yeah. So it, it's it's a, just a little bit different, I think, because the Lakers left here so long ago, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, um, it, it is not fresh in everyone's mind. There are still people who were certainly alive when it, when it happened and when they left, but Len Taylor never made a trade with the Lakers. No, like yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it, it's it's, but it's been so long, and so it's not quite like the Titans who were recently fairly in, in Houston and, and there's a a younger fan base that has that connection, but I do understand, you know, the, any fans who look at that as, as unnecessary um, because this was, you know, this, the Lakers were a huge part of this community. Um, They want, they won all these titles. The Vikings never won titles. You know, um, so it it was a proud part of their history, but it seems like Los Angeles has just taken all of it and mm-hmm. and not really acknowledged Minneapolis at all. And it and so then not when you wear recently. Minneapolis, yeah, they, they, they finally flew like Mike and you know, it, all exactly, that yeah. So it was yeah. always like there was always a clear separation. It felt like between the Los Angeles Lakers and the Minneapolis Lakers. And so then when you wear wear Minneapolis on your chest in Minnesota, um. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't think it was all that appropriate. Um, and, and, and I know there were some Wolves fans that didn't as well that, you know, a lot of times, a lot of Wolves fans, I don't think had it really in their hearts to put up a big stink because eh, the Wolves are stink. They're, they're not, they're not that good. Like, what do we have prideful of here? If they did that now, I feel like it'd be a lot. If they did that now, it it would be a lot. I think it would be a lot different. And, you know, forever and ever, the Laker fans took over the target center, like they do in Mm -hmm. many arenas. But it was really loud and boisterous here. And a lot of the fans who live here, who were Laker fans, they kind of said, well, yeah, it's because the Lakers were in Minneapolis. No, it's because Kobe Bryant. It was because of Shaq. It was because, you know, yeah. you're all bandwagon, you know, fans. And that's okay. But um, but there was always a loud, loud, loud Laker contingent here. And there will be plenty of Laker fans on Thursday night. But I do think that Wolves fans will be coming to send a message that, Hey, this is a little different. Now we have a team that we're proud of and we're not going to let Laker fans take over the whole building. Like, like they have done in the past. I think the fundamentally decent stance on all of this is just like a general life principle where if something offends a large swath of people, it's probably not great. Yeah. <laughs> you know, right. like if, if something, if something like pisses off a whole bunch of people, it's probably worth at least like acknowledging, okay, I kind of understand why they might be a little annoyed. Mm-hmm. Um, 
All right, let's talk about that matchup, though. The Lakers are finally kind of healthy. Gabe Vincent is finally going to play his first game uh, tonight by the time you guys are listening to this. And we'll see if he's available on the second night of a back-to-back. The Wolves, uh, are are, are they healthy? How, How are they coming into this game? Yep. So the Wolves are as healthy as they've been in a long time. Um, One of the most encouraging things about them still being in first place in the West is that Anthony Edwards has been banged up a little bit. He's missed a few games with a hip pointer. Uh, Jaden McDaniels, it had been out for four or five weeks um, with a sprained ankle. He's missed the majority of the game so far, and they've still been able to to kind of go through um, and, and survive that time. And now they're all fully healthy. No one's they they play Philadelphia tonight in Philly. And, um, and so, and there's no one on the injury report. So they're as healthy as they've been since basically game one of the season. Mm. Yeah. The Lakers are doing the thing where everybody is going to be on the injury report all year so that they can get away with resting guys. Um, which I'm surprised, like not every single team does because Mm. it's just such an easy way around all of those policies. Um, but yeah, it, I guess that the point here is that, you know, they're, these teams are going in on even footing. They're both playing the night prior. They're both traveling to Minnesota the night, you know, the the, the, the night after they play a game. Um, they are both relatively healthy compared to what they have been all season. How do you feel like the two teams match up here? I think it's a really fascinating matchup um, given the way the two teams are built. Yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, the it's indicative of the way that the league has evolved over the last couple of years now away from small ball to bully ball, right? I mean, the Lakers are big everywhere, um, especially in the front court with LeBron and AD. Uh, You know, even D'Lo is a big guard. He's, he's tall. He's long. He's, you know, you have, you have a lot of muscle. You have Vando, you have, um, you know, Austin Reeves plays the physical brand of, of, of basketball. Like all these guys on the Lakers are big and they try to use their size to their advantage. And that's what the Timberwolves are. The Timberwolves are huge everywhere outside yep. of Mike Conley. So um, Anthony Edwards is a big two guard. Jane McDaniels has arms that are nine feet long. Um, you have <laughs> yeah. Rudy, you have cat, you have Nas Reed, you have Kyle Anderson. They're they're just big, big, big. And so um, I really am looking forward to this matchup because it's strength on strength in a way. Um, yeah. the, the Lakers maybe run a little bit more, um, but the wolves like to get you in the half court. Like, and, mm-hmm. and that's where they, are a python and they wrap their snake you know around you and they just squeeze yeah. you to death and so I, um, i'm laughing because that's literally the way i've, I've described the lakers defense when it looks good yeah. is mm-hmm. you know they'll suffocate teams where the first quarter that team looks like they have a little bit of juice second quarter they slow down a little bit third quarter they really slow down and then by the time the fourth quarter comes along they're just they look like they've been trying to tackle adrian peterson all game you yes. know like yep. it's just it's just it, they just look exhausted and just kind of and that's when the Lakers are functioning at their best. They aren't right now. Um, but no, that's why that's why I kind of chuckled when you mentioned the 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 uh, the Anaconda type reference. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, it, and that's it, that's exactly the Timberwolves pattern, too. They don't play very well in the first quarter while they're feeling a the game out and figuring out what needs to happen. Second quarter, they kind of stabilize. They're usually behind after the first quarter. Their second quarter, they stabilize and get back into it within a couple of points. Then the third quarter is when they drop the hammer. I mean, they they have, I think, the second best net rating in the third quarters this year. Um, and and you know, one of the things that has has been a talking point of the Timberwolves defense so far this season is 
I think that opponents are shooting the third worst percentage from three-point range against them uh, as any other team in the league. And, you know, people will say, ah, that's shooting luck. So the Wolves are getting lucky. But if you watch them attack teams, contest jumpers, like teams don't have space to Mm -hmm. operate against the Wolves. And so every shot that they take, even the open ones, there's more pressure on it because they don't know when the next good shot is coming. And so I think that affects the field goal percentage as much as luck does. And so, um, so by the time the third and fourth quarter comes around, the wolves have figured out their matchups. They, they understand what an offense wants to do to them. And then they just shut the faucet off and that's the way they win games. Yeah. It's uh, I think shooting luck I take it more into account when it's a smaller team that yeah. teams shoot well against or, or don't shoot well against right in this regard, bigger, more physical teams. It, it, it hits your legs. Yeah. And once you your down. legs go as a shooter, it's just, you know, it, it, I, I would be interested to look at sh- uh, three point shooting numbers over the course of a game against the Minnesota Timberwolves, right? Mm-hmm. Do they, if teams consistently get worse as the game goes on, because, you know, we just saw this um, with the Knicks the other night where you, you have experience with Tom Thibodeau. Yeah. Basically, he just he wants his guys to hand check all game. He mm-hmm. wants physical screens. He wants you to run into them. He doesn't want clear cuts to the basket, anything like that. And that physicality over the course of a game does kind of wear on you. And and the Lakers shot really poorly from three from from three in that game. And I think it's a it's a similar approach that that the that the Wolves take basically where. You know, you do have Edwards. I, I think um, there's some um, focus and in, in, in engagement inconsistency defensively. But when he's focused, like it, it, against the Lakers, he is going to like he's going to play out of his mind. I can already predict that. Um, and and you know, he's a physical presence on the perimeter. You mentioned McDaniel's. He is um, a little slight of build, but he's still you know, like you mentioned, long and that like length is going to wear on you in, in, in different ways as well. Every single drive to the basket where you're driving into Rudy Gobert, who is one of the biggest uh, presences inside that the league has to offer. It, it does wear you down. And I do kind of think that it's, I think it's, it's an easy rebuttal to, to the way that the wolves are playing defense. But if you kind of, if you think about it, it makes sense that teams wouldn't shoot particularly well against them from three. Um, the Lakers, it's funny ham there's an identity that ham would prefer where he would like to win with half court execution offensive execution offensive skill and all of that and then there's like the the identity that won them the in-season tournament that was swarming defense it was wings everywhere it was getting out after you get stops and 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 scoring on offense in transition more than you do in the half court and I'm really curious in this one because it's a potential playoff matchup because of like, if you're playing against a good half court team, you do have to get out and transition to offset that. So I'm really curious what the Lakers do here against uh, the, the Timberwolves. And especially with Vincent coming back, I know Ham is going to be curious. Hey, can we run multiple tiny little guards out there at, at that mm-hmm. time? And if they do, I really like, that's where I think the game would get away from the Lakers and, and the Wolves would take care of business there. Yeah, I think to me, one of the Lakers' best shots is one thing that the Wolves are 
really not good at right now and have been for most, they turn the ball over a lot. Um, mm-hmm. And so if the Lakers can use that defensive pressure to turn the wolves over and then get out and in, in transition and get some easy buckets that way, that's probably the better path to having a chance to win this game because, you know, if, if you, if you get into the half court against the wolves, um, it's not a recommended place to be. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The way that Rudy Gobert is defending, the way that Jaden McDaniels and Anthony Edwards, Nikhil Alexander Walker is another really good piece off the bench that defends really well in the half court. Um, they just suffocate you. And so um, they make you make uh, Eric Spolster had a great quote after the Wolves beat the Heat the other night. And he said that what Rudy Gobert does is he forces you to make the right decision over and over and over again. And then you, you assume that the more times you have to make a decision, the better chances are there is a mistake. And, Mm -hmm. um, and so um, maybe the Lakers can do it. Maybe AD will be, you know, hitting his, his, his pull-up jumper and, um, and, and, and LeBron will be knocking down threes and that will work in the half court. But, um, I see it. The, the recipe for me is more of they're creating turnovers. They're getting out and running and then they maybe get a rhythm with some pull-up threes in, in, in transition mm-hmm. and things like that, that help kind of breathe some offense into the game. Um, cause it, you know, what are they like 23rd in offense right now? Like, yeah, they're if, bad. If, if you don't <laughs> score, is, yeah. if you can't score against this team, if you can't hit open shots, like the Sacramento Kings, are one of the teams that made them look bad, one of the few this season, because they just moved the ball and hit a bunch of shots and yeah. got it out in transition. And if you can't do that against the Wolves, uh, it's going to be a long night. Yep. Uh, last thing here before we let you go, you experienced D'Angelo Russell before, and um, I think Minnesota saw the two sides of D'Angelo Russell, right? Mm-hmm. I've always considered him a very vibes-based player. When things are going well, He's the guy that you want there to help celebrate those things going well. He's not necessarily the kind of guy who turns those vibes around if things aren't going for, aren't going in your favor. And that's why we've seen him get benched in, in playoff series throughout his career, basically. Currently, what what um, some of what I have found recently is that there is uh, some tension between him and the organization, between him and, and, and some of the guys in the locker room because I think some of that trade stuff is starting to creep in and the vibes aren't great. And he isn't helping as, as it pertains to the vibes. And I'm curious, like what was, what was your D'Angelo Russell experience? Like, like how you, again, you saw both sides of it, but like in, in net, how, how did you feel about that, that experience? So D'Lo was fascinating to me um, to cover because he is so, intelligent and so mm-hmm. kind of plugged into the basketball universe like he knows what's going on um he he uh is a you know, high IQ basketball player who like really does watch a ton of film and gets you know and he wants to do better i mean we heard all sorts of stories about him being in minnesota and like calling coaches at 3 a.m. trying to figure out answers to how to get himself going, how to get the team going, things like that. Like, so there's that part of his personality. Then you have the, uh, D'Lo on a heater version. And when he 
is knocking down shots. Yeah. It's breathtaking. Like yep. the, there's not a prettier shot in the league when he pulls up in transition and he's got that left foot in front and the elbow is bent and he lets that thing fly and it splashes. And when he does, I have seen him take over games and absolutely just break an opponent's will because there's nothing that you can do when, yep. when he's feeling it. And we saw he is the one of the major reasons the Wolves were in the playoffs the year before last um, with his play in the play-in tournament and the way that he came through in a hugely cl- clutch situation. He was also one of the reasons they didn't beat Memphis in the first round because he got benched because he couldn't find that shot. So yep. he he rides the wave um, a lot, and and it, mm-hmm. it, it can be volatile just in terms of the um, the ups and the downs that that go with just his shooting and the way that 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 it can kind of can come and go because you're totally right when he is rolling you see how his teammates gravitate to him you see how his energy just like crackles through the arena and it's it's yes. it's a fun fun thing to watch now um the part about him and as intelligent as he is like he knows that the Lakers signed him to that deal in part because it's a tradable contract like yep. That is a, that is, there is, there are some players who would not really think about that at all. There are some players who would just be like, yes, I got my money. Um, I feel good. I'm at, I'm on a good team. I'm, I'm, I'm in Los Angeles. This is, I'm just going to just go with this. But D'Lo is not, is one of those guys who understands the, the landscape of collective bargaining agreement of trades of all of that and said, okay, you wanted me at this number. So that if you need it, you can move it for right. something else. And so if 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 D'Angelo Russell feels like there is some sort of doubt about him or the or or if the organization doesn't fully have his back, whether it's that's justified or not, um, that can get in the way of things sometimes. And I'm not yeah. saying that is right now. I haven't been around him. I haven't spoken to him, but I could see that what I would what I would gather is like he is well aware of the structure of his contract and and he is well aware that trade discussions that his name is going to be in them for the next month and a half until we get to February. Yeah, he literally waived his no trade clause without a usually a, a no trade clause is waived at the time of a trade, but he waived it at the time of his signing. Right. <laughs> like so. To your point about that that awareness of of what's going on around him, you know, maybe that was a part of the nego- negotiations or whatever. But that was that that was pretty unique to have a player waive their no trade clause upon signing a deal. Um, I've also like I've I've gone down this rabbit hole with Harrison before on, on in, in the past. D'Lo, for somebody who has made the amount of money that he has, has gotten kind of a raw deal over the course of his career. Right, he gets drafted to the Lakers. Um, and plays for Byron Scott at a time when the focus is getting Kobe as many shots as possible when uh, he was on his way out of the league. And Byron was a like infamously bad coach for young players, literally told the press, like this wasn't a leak. This wasn't, he literally said to people, yeah, young players have to earn the right to talk to me. Which is yeah. an insane stance that a coach can take. Yeah. So you go through that experience, you get salary dumped to Brooklyn, you go to Brooklyn and you lead a surprising team to the playoffs, right? Get an all-star appearance for, for your work there, for your troubles. And your reward there is, 
uh, yeah, you're going to the bay for Kevin Durant. <laughs> and you get to the bay, you get to the to, to the Warriors, and it's very clear that they basically only brought you in to keep their cap flexibility. Mm-hmm. Um, they never really committed to him. They send him to Minnesota where, you know, he does get to play with Carl Anthony Towns, who is one of his closest friends in the league. They have that amount of success there too. And his reward for that is to then be traded to the Lakers who are now looking to trade him. And I just think like, you know, Jalen Rose talks a lot about the impact that situations and circumstances have on guys' careers and their personalities and stuff. And for D'Angelo Russell, who like you just talked about, is kind of uniquely aware to have gone through all of this kind of trade turmoil throughout his career. It's got to be tough, man. <laughs> That's It's got to be yeah. difficult. Yeah, for sure. And like, I would say, like, obviously the Lakers situation when he arrived there as a rookie was completely uh, messed up for a young player, as you said, like, that's a bad start to your career. Um, And then you can say with the Nets deal, you could say, well, D'Angelo, come on, man, they 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 did it so that they could get Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. Like, that's why Mm -hmm. they did it. So can't you see why they would make that move? But as a player who was an all-star like he's not gonna give into that he's not gonna think that he's got too much pride and belief in himself like that's he you'd call it say that's bs now i think like what would be interesting is that the golden state warriors traded him as soon as they could like they brought him in and they got him out of there as as soon yeah. as possible. Then the he was playing from a just from a strictly um, individual play standpoint. He was playing great here in Minnesota before mm-hmm. he got traded to the Lakers. And so um, everyone in Minnesota since they've gotten Mike Conley has just raved about how Mike Conley leads this team, about how yep. he runs the offense, about all these things. And so. Could D'Angelo Russell look at it and say, man, I was shooting the lights out for Minnesota. Our defense was actually really good when I was on the court for Minnesota, Mm -hmm. and they still traded me. Why is that? Now, I don't know. Um, I don't know if if he would look at it any differently. I do see why he would see some situations um, in his career and say, I got a raw deal there. Like they they did me wrong or or whatever. Um, but in Minnesota, he had a lot of chances. They tried to build the team around him and he was playing really, really well. And then they decided to trade him and Mike Conley comes in. And I think they're, I think the number is like 37 and 12 or 37 and 14 since Mike Conley's arrived. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, uh, I don't expect D'Lo to, really like have a lot of you know look at and say wow maybe minnesota had a point there because here's the other part about it is right now on points d'angelo russell is ahead because he came to the lakers in the middle of last season was a big part of galvanizing the team and they went to the western conference finals like right he started on a team in minnesota yep he started on a team that was he, he started on a team that was in the western conference finals now he did not play well in that series and and all that but he got to that point and the wolves have not done that yet. So um, they look really good now and they, everything's looking in the right direction, but um, 
you know, D'Angelo is is a person that like is very prideful in him. Like I always really enjoyed conversations with him and talking to him. And because I I just found it fascinating to see how he saw the league and what he was thinking about when doing it. Um, but ultimately, the Wolves decided we need a different kind of point guard for this roster. Yeah. We need someone that's going to work more Steady. with Rudy Gobert, like all of that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And so um, how he looks at it now, I'm not sure, but I, I, yeah, I just, I would, I, it would not surprise me if, you know, to hear you say, or hear anyone connected with the Lakers say that, you know, D'Lo um, sees the situation and he doesn't feel quite stable with the organization. And when you, when he does not feel stable with it, you, you can see it um, usually in his play on the court. That has been the case in December. Um, John, this has been an absolute blast. I'm really looking forward to this matchup. Like you talked about, it's strength versus strength. Styles make fights, and these it's two heavyweights, basically, who are going to meet in the middle of the rim and r- ring and uh, slug it out. So that's going to be fun. You can check out all of his work at The Athletic, which I, which I uh, cannot praise highly enough. Um, again, I am just going to warn you, just a ton of messages about <laughs> the Vikings and who they're going to draft. Can they trade up and get into the conversation for some of these quarterbacks coming out next year? Um, all of that good stuff, John, this has been a blast. Thank you. Thank you very much for hopping on. Uh, great to be with you. Finally, Anthony, look forward to doing it again. And um, I'm just happy to be covering a game that matters in the middle of December where, you know, that, that people are hyped for both from the Lakers and the Wolves side of things. Um, this is, this is a nice little change of pace for me and, and I can't wait for the game and thanks for having me, man. It's appreciated. Anytime again, his work is at the athletic. That is John Krasinski. I will be on all access Lakers tonight to watch the Lakers bulls game. And then I'll on there again tomorrow night to watch Lakers wolves. So until then, until the next time you guys hear from me, I'm Anthony Irwin saying, have a great rest of your day. Make somebody else's and I'll talk to you tomorrow.